Welcome to the Homeschool Loft Cast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And today we welcome Tiffany Boyd, whom I've known online, mostly through Facebook, for a number of years. Tiffany is the founder of Free Your Children. She's a homeschool advocate, a consultant, and a speaker. And she's the founder and administrator of the Middle Tennessee Christian Homeschool Connection. She holds a BS degree in interdisciplinary studies from Middle Tennessee State University, and she is a wife of 30 years, a mother to five children, and a grandmother to two. She is also a former tenured public school teacher, and she and her husband have home educated for 18 years. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Well, Tiffany, first of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background before starting to homeschool. A bit about your husband and your children, of course. Yeah, sure. I um, Before we began our homeschooling journey, I was a public school teacher. I was actually a tenured school teacher when we made the decision. Well, actually, my husband made the decision that we were going to homeschool. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> sounds like funny. an interesting story. Yeah, <laughs> yes. It was an interesting story for a lot of people. I think it was a shock to most um, people that we were friends with and went to church with during that period of time. Homeschooling was not very popular in our area. And of course, that was before, you know, you had all the advantages of all these, you know, social media platforms that you could take advantage of. So finding homeschoolers in our area was like finding a needle in a haystack. (laughs) But, but what happened and what led us to homeschooling was the birth of our third child. When we had him, we knew that I wasn't going to go back to work to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And the, the school that I was teaching in at that point in time was about 30 minutes from where we lived. So we decided to move our children to a school that was closer to where we lived. It would just Mm -hmm. be easier, we thought. And so we did that. And the school was experiencing some staffing issues during that period of time. And, and, during all of this, even even prior to having our third child, I was becoming disillusioned with working in the public school system. Mm-hmm. I was seeing things that I, I didn't agree with and a lot of the bureaucracy and red tape. And, and I knew that we were going to have to do something different. But at that mm-hmm. point in time, I didn't know what that something different was going to be. And I certainly didn't think it was going to be homeschooling because <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was fully indoctrinated. You know, I was a oh, yeah. product. Yeah, I was a product of the public school system. I graduated from public schools. And then lo and behold, I went on to get my um, education, my secondary education in um, to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then, you know, you get all the training. Mm-hmm. and indoctrination that comes with that. So, you know, I was always one of those that said I would absolutely never homeschool. Um, famous last words, right? Yeah. Yes. Famous <laughs> last words. You, you learn quickly that when you say never, you bought yourself a one-way ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so when we moved our children and, and there was just, like I said, a lot of staffing issues at the school and, and we just knew at this point in time, we had realized that public school was not what we wanted for our family anymore. We knew that I wasn't going to go back to work and work in the public school. 
And, and so we were at a, you know, a crossroads, we had to make a decision. And so my husband said, we're going to homeschool. And I said, no, we're not. (laughs) And he said, yes, we are. And so that's what started it. And we removed our oldest child, uh, uh, our daughter first, and our homeschooling journey began with her. We left our um, second child, our son in school for the remainder of that school year, just because, you know, I was nervous. There wasn't much of a support system locally where we were. Mm -hmm. And I was just trying to figure out what this was going to look like for us. It didn't take long at all for me to realize that I couldn't have one foot in and one foot out. We were Mm -hmm. either going to have to jump all the way in and homeschool or put him back in school. And we, Mm. we knew we didn't want to do that. So then we pulled our son out and then he joined the ranks and then we Mm -hmm. were off and running from there. Mm. So, but I was a reluctant homeschooler when, when we first started out, because like I said, I had been indoctrinated to believe that that was not a a positive way to, you know, educate your children. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was, it's been interesting, um, that now I am, now I'm, a, now I'm the person that tells parents, you can do this, you should mm-hmm. do this, yeah. and you are the expert. Mm. So I had to untrain myself and unlearn everything that I had been taught about what education really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah. And yeah. now you're not just a, you know, quote unquote, just a regular homeschooler, but you're an advocate. Right. Right. Exactly. Like the Paul, um, Paul Saul thing. <laughs> Yes, it it was quite it's been quite the adventure. And and I've learned, you know, so much through this process. And, you know, you you see that meme that circulates uh, a lot that says, what if God wants you to homeschool for something that he wants because of something he wants to do in you? And that was definitely the case with me because he had to do a work in my heart. And when he did, it was a major work. Um, you know, we just realized that we were going to have to turn everything over to him. And, w- and when we realized that he was steering the ship, um, things just fell into place from there. Mm. Yeah. What was it about your husband saying, you know, that you're going to homeschool? Why didn't he say, oh, let's try a private school? Or what did he, why did he really want your kids out of there and insist on homeschooling? He knew that the things that we were seeing, you know, people, you know, what is the, the the famous tagline that everyone says when they say you homeschool your children. What about socialization? <laughs> yes. Well, the socialization that we were seeing was not the type of socialization that we wanted for our children. So we knew that in order to redefine that for our family, we were going to have to make a break from the traditional schoolroom setting. Mm-hmm. And so we, Thankfully, at that point in time, we had really been reading a lot of books about um, alternative education and delving into what some of the pastors during that time period were saying about uh, the restitution of the family unit, which is what one of the many things that I believe homeschooling is. It's restitution of the family unit, because when you start homeschooling, you get your family back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're no longer sending them away to someone else for the majority of their formative years. They come home with you and you really have the ability then to get to know your children more and to form, you know, great relationships with them because you just have time. You know, you don't have much time when they're away all day long and then they come home from school and then they have to do homework. And then if you're doing all the extracurricular activities, that really leaves very little time for you to pour into them. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, for us, it was important to be able to have the ability to disciple our own children. Mm-hmm. 
And when you, when they're home with you, then you have the opportunity and the responsibility to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if, what are some of the greatest challenges as a homeschooler that you've had? Would you say Great. the greatest challenges for me personally, as a parent were, like I said before, I had to earn, unlearn everything that I had been taught <laughs> <laughs> about what education was supposed to be because my poor older kids, when we first started, when we first started homeschooling, I was just recreating the classroom at home. I mean, that's yeah. what I'd been trained to do. That was what you did. That's how you learned. That's how you taught. So, you know, I think it, one crazy time we might've even had desks, you know, we set up, <laughs> we, we, we set had up desks a, too. Yes. We <laughs> set up a classroom and, you know, we were just, I was just literally mimicking what I had been taught, you know, all of that training just came home and I was using it at home and everyone was miserable. So <laughs> we had, we had to figure out, you know, what homeschooling for us, for our family needed to look like and was going to look like. And my older yeah. children tease all the time looking at the younger ones. They're like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look at them compared to, you know, what we did, but they realized then that, you know, like I said, there were no, I don't even know if, um, my space was popular then maybe. Oh, and I never even had mm-hmm. a MySpace. I mean, there weren't, you couldn't get on and join. <laughs> you couldn't go to your computer and sit down and join, you know, all these homeschool support groups and, right. you know, b- be able to meet up, you know, with, you know, plan a meetup at the, you know, touch of your fingers and mes- message people. If you had questions, we had mm-hmm. email. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. trying to and then trying to figure out who to email was a whole other problem <laughs> because you didn't know any homeschoolers. So that was probably the most difficult yeah. thing for us is um, just trying to find a community and build a community. Mm-hmm. But we were successful in doing that. And then, of course, you know, now homeschooling has grown and it's not such a anomaly in our area anymore. It's Good. it's it's grown by leaps and bounds. And so we have a huge, you know, homeschool network and support system, but that was probably the most difficult for me. And, you know, I hate it when people say, Oh, you, but you were a teacher. So mm-hmm. you can homeschool. it's easy for you. And I just want to scream. No, it made <laughs> yeah. me the worst. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it made me the worst homeschool parent because you're not, you shouldn't be recreating school at home because it's your family. Yeah. And those are your children. And, you know, I like to tell parents now that homeschooling is just an extension of parenting. And lots of times when I get new uh, parents that will contact me and they're thinking, considering starting their homeschool journey, I will ask them, are you helping? Are you currently helping your children with homework? You know, do you read to your children? You know, do you spend time with your children? Do you talk to your children? And of course, you know, they're answering, well, yes, well, yes. And, and then I look at them and say, well, you're already homeschooling. Yeah. (laughs) You're just sending them away to someone else, you know, for the majority of your day, but homeschooling, you know, to me is, and, and I think it is, it's just an extension of parenting. It's a natural learning process. Yes, most definitely. And then those the greatest joys that far outweigh these challenges. Tell us about those. The greatest joys have been because we have three adult children that have graduated homeschooling now. And then we have two that were currently homeschooling. So, you know, for me, the greatest joy is the fact that we did get to disciple them and just Mm -hmm. there've been some instances here recently with our youngest son, who's in college right now, where, um, his discipleship training throughout his formative years have come in handy in the college classroom. 
And so it's been great to be able to see him um, come into his own with that because, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel like, you know, as parents, we all do the best we can while we have them in their home. And then our goal is to launch them, you know, once they become an adult. And so we try to pour into them as much as we possibly can in the hopes that we're equipping them with what they need when they go out into the world. And so um, that's been a a really great joy is Mm -hmm. being able to watch him, um, you know, through the apologetics that he learned, you know, while he was in uh, his homeschool, that's really been beneficial to him now during his college experience. But Tom, you know, you net, you never, there's never enough time. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, but when you homeschool, you don't have to say, I miss that because you don't yeah. miss anything because you were there with them, you know, that's watching right. them learn and grow. So for me, that is by far mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest blessings is just the time that you yeah. get to spend with them because it's really just is just a small sliver. It is. It is. So uh, he's in college and uh-huh. you can tell us like me what he's studying. And then your two other adult children, because people always love to hear, you know, what do what do homeschool graduates do? How do they turn out? Are you know, yes. are they living under a bridge or are they successful <laughs> or what are they doing? You know, <laughs> well, you know, everyone's terminology for success is different. And yep. I will say that I do not believe that in order to be considered successful that you have to go to college. Um, You know, there are a lot of different, like I said, definitions of success. And for me personally, if your child's walking with the Lord, then, and and you're a Christian, then you would consider that as a a success. Um, And, you know, we all know that that has nothing to do with us either. Um, (laughs) We just use what God equips us. You know, he, he equips us and then he helps us equip them, hopefully. And so that's all we try to do as parents, any, you know, any parent, but our, our older three children, our oldest daughter is currently in college. She is our child that has two of her own children, which made us grandparents. So, um, and she's actually homeschooling those children. Mm -hmm. So we have, um, some second generation homeschoolers and then, um, our younger son, I mean, our oldest son, he is graduated from college and he is active duty military. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is married. And then our youngest son, who is also a homeschool graduate, he is currently uh, in college as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he had an opportunity over the summer to get involved with some local political groups, conservative political groups, and that really sparked an interest in him. Mm-hmm. So right now he's currently taking a lot of government classes mm-hmm. um, in college. So hopefully, you know, he's trying to make a decision where he wants to go with that right now, but yeah, he, see where that he really, lead. yes. Exciting. And watching, yes. And watching us, you know, really get involved in the political side of homeschooling. I think yeah. very interesting to him Absolutely. as well. Tiffany, what advice do you have for new or not so new homeschooling parents who are listening today? One piece of advice that I would share is you are the expert. You are equipped. You know your children better than anyone else. Um, God gave them to you for a reason, and he will equip you with what you need to navigate this homeschooling journey. Um, I think that's always the biggest, you know, 
parents always worry when they make the decision to homeschool. What if I fail? What Mm -hmm. if they don't learn it? You know, everything. You're not going to be an expert in everything. None of us are, and we're not supposed to be. And neither are classroom teachers. We should. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, And neither are they. And luckily now the homeschool community is so large that there are all different kinds of resources to help fill in any gaps that you think that you might have. Um, And and there's always someone willing to help. So I always tell uh, our new homeschoolers that move into our area that are asking, find a mentor. Mm. Um, Those they can be wonderful assets, especially if you find a mentor who's already graduated some homeschool students, yep. and then they can give you a bigger, a broader picture, you know, of what the whole journey can yes. look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tell parents, especially if they're pulling their children from the school, a traditional classroom setting to really look into de-schooling. And I found that it's not just important for the student. The parent needs to be de-schooled as well. Yes. Because most most parents were just like I was when <laughs> yeah. I started homeschooling. You only know one way when it comes to education. And so I tell them, you know, take some time. You know, everyone is really nervous about curriculum. You know, that mm-hmm. what oh, curriculum yeah. do I need to buy? And I tell them just back up a little bit. Do some research on de-schooling and then also do some research on what you want your homeschool to look like. There's all there are many different methods that Mm -hmm. you can use to homeschool your children and and you know your children best. So you're probably going to know which method is going to work best for each child. So, you know, you might prefer a Charlotte Mason method or a classical method, or you might choose a traditional method or you might choose the unschooling method or you might be like me. And prefer the eclectic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I tell parents, don't just go out and buy a whole bunch of curriculum and then expect to bring it home and sit down. And, you know, that might work, but chances are it's not going to work because you need to really figure out what what you want your home to look like. And, you know, then too, keep in mind that your home is not a school. It's your home. Mm-hmm. And so just do your research and, you know, mentors can help with that. Tap into local homeschool support groups that you have in your area and try to get connected, you know, with some other families in your area that are currently homeschooling too. That, that is excellent advice. You know, and we could talk about this kind of stuff all day long. Yeah. I know we could, we could <laughs> no, go on and on. Um, and you're honestly, your veteran um, advice is so critical. The kind of things that you're saying are things that we tell people here that mm-hmm. come to see us locally, like mm-hmm. every single week. Yes. Um, but we also want to get on some other topics. So I'm just going to um, pivot a little bit because you and I met when um, I discovered your um Facebook page, the free your children page. And you've got a group that goes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you start that and why? I started free your children in May of 2020. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I felt like I really needed to start that particular page was because I really wanted to have an avenue where I could educate the general public about the truth, about Mm -hmm. what's really going on in public schools, and then give them the tools that they need and the encouragement that they need to remove their children from the system and bring them home, hence free your children, free your Mm -hmm. children from that government bureaucracy that was created, um, and so that you could bring them home and do education your way, Mm -hmm. you know, without 
the overreach and, and, and it's just a much better environment for, for kids. I recently shared information about our public school safe and just the sheer statistics that we talked about and shared in that article were startling enough. And I just think that most people, the general pub most, and I didn't, and I'm including myself in this. Mm-hmm. When I, when my children were in public school and when I went to school to be a public school teacher, I did not know the history of compulsory education. I didn't know anything about it. Of course, they didn't didn't want you to know those things. (laughs) Right. Then. And so, you know, once we pulled our children out and we started, you know, this was years, you know, of delving into, you know, why the system was set up the way it was and what really occurs in the system. Um, Years of researching that. And I thought, why did I never know this? Why, you know, why didn't anyone ever tell me these things? And the reason why is because I would say most people probably don't know those things. So um, one of my, yeah, uh, one of the books that I read that was really the, the catalyst to, to pushing me to really start the page and really start trying to educate was when I read John Taylor Gatto's weapons of mass instruction. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was going through that book, as a classroom teacher, so much of that resonated with me because that's what I was seeing when I was teaching in the classroom Mm -hmm. and I wasn't okay with that. And so then when I start, then when I read his book, it all, all the pieces of the puzzle fell together. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, um, I wanted to get that help, get that message out to the general public, because I felt like when we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I wanted the general public to be able to have the opportunity to do their own research and delve into all these topics a little mm-hmm. more closely and look to see if that's really where they felt like their children, if that's the best place for their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, it was uh, interesting timing, right? You were, we were yeah. two months into all this pandemic stuff at that yes, point. So, yes, yes. And I think, yeah, that was a lot of it too. I think our homeschool group, when the pandemic first started, it grew 242% in two months. <sighs> and so, um, you know, I'd already read uh, Gatto's book and, you know, I, I had already had an epiphany as to what the history of compulsory education really meant and, and how the whole system had come about. I already knew that. And we'd been sharing that, you know, within our smaller groups. But when I saw this mass influx of all these people that were, it was pandemic homeschooling, you know, at first, um, I really felt the need to reach out and Mm -hmm. see if we could educate, you know, a larger population than what we were getting locally, because more people were becoming interested in homeschooling. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted them to understand there was a big difference between pandemic homeschooling and then authentic homeschooling, which is those of us that were homeschooling long before it was popular, (laughs) right? (laughs) Long before it was trendy, you know, um, you know, we weren't being forced to do it. It was something that we made a decision, you know, to do. And, um, a lot of the, you know, some of the pandemic homeschoolers that started, you know, now, they've done their own research and, and they've mm-hmm. seen all of this and, you know, they aren't going back. They're staying, yeah. you know, they're keeping their kids out and, and yeah. they are, you know, fighting against what we see coming down the pike. Yeah. Yeah. And once you read uh, Gatto's books, the, it's, it's almost too much. I mean, yes. because yes. it's like you need every single person to read it and resonate yes. with it and get it. And so it's yes. this burning passion that you can barely even contain because yes. we, we talk to so many parents and oftentimes I think, 
And, and I, I don't think it, I actually tell them, listen, I, I don't enjoy telling you these things, right? Like I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm going to say things that you're, you're probably not going to believe, mm-hmm. right? Because Absolutely. they don't, because they haven't read the books. So right. it's new to their ears. It's new to their mm-hmm. understanding, which, you know, and because of everything that's going on, you know, I, I think that, yeah, they, they still have a hard time because nobody wants to believe something so horrific. Right, but we've right. been duped, and, you know? Yes. And and, t- and too, I often say, because, you know, we had parents get angry, like we would share things that uh, Gatto spoke about in his book and we would share it. And people would get angry. And I've shared some things on my Free Your Children page. And yeah. And they're not my things. They're right, his words right, you know, that I'm exactly. sharing. Yeah. And, you know, he was a he was a public school teacher for 30 years and he oh. was an award winning, you know, public school teacher. So here was this man who had devoted a large majority of his life, you know, to public education. And then he's speaking out yeah. and he's speaking truth, you know, about what has occurred. And so, you know, I've had people would read it and then get upset with me and send mm-hmm. me private messages. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, right. you know, it. And I would often say they're not really angry at me. It's just conviction, I feel like. And because, you know, like you said, once you're presented with the information, then you have to do something with it. Yeah. You either change what you're doing or you continue to participate in it. And so I think it really kind of holds their nose to the fire in the respect Mm -hmm. that are you going to continue to do something that you know what you knew, you know, it has nefarious roots. Right. So, you know, are you going to continue sending your children to an institution that was founded on these principles? That's right. And you know, you know what it is, there's a word and I'm sure you've heard it too, but it it is, it's the definition, uh, cognitive dissidence, I think Mm -hmm. is the word, right? Mm -hmm. That's when you, 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 it's so much within you. It's so much ingrained in you that you Mm -hmm. can't even accept any other way. Mm-hmm. It, right. It's not even, not even as if you can comprehend it. Right. And so, um, but not only, um, you've also become a vo- a vocal critic of the so-called quote school choice movement. Yes. What does the general public, <laughs> Tiffany, tell us what the general public thinks school choice actually means. Well, when speaking to the general public, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes that can be interesting, but when when speaking to the general public, I, I tend to believe that the consensus there is that they simply just believe that it is them receiving their money back, a portion of their money back from the government to then educate their children, however they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't see it when they pay, when they pay these money in the forms of taxes, they don't seem to make the connection that once the money is paid in and the government gets its hands on it, it's no longer their money. They still firmly believe that it's their money. Yeah. And so they think that they're just going to get it back and they're just going to be able to do whatever they want to with that money in regards to educating their children. And then the government's just going to leave them alone. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, no. So so what is it really? And why should we oppose school choice? Because, I mean, it's um, it's the, that term is running rampant in every yes. like every single state mm-hmm. recently. Yes. <laughs> it, and it's it's crazy because I consider myself a, a conservative Christian. And so when you start um, addressing school choice, the topic of school choice, you find yourself on the opposite side of the fence Mm -hmm. uh, because every single 
conservative in our area that I know of that is involved with politics, um, they all are in agreement that they believe that school choice is what we need. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so vocally, uh, I come out opposed to this. <laughs> and so it's not a popular opinion. And I think a lot of times it's because they don't really understand. I recently met with someone that was seeking, that is seeking a local seat in, um, some elections that are coming up and, and this particular person had, they didn't understand what school choice was. So they wanted to meet with me. And then after the meeting, they couldn't believe what it really meant because mm-hmm. the name sounds really nice. Doesn't yeah. it? School right. choice. Yep. And, and so parents are right now are desperate to have some type of control, okay, over their child's education. So they think that this is going to give them the control that they're desiring. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I say over and over again, what the government funds, it runs. And (laughs) the problem with this is when the government gives you your money back, it's going to come with strings. And Mm -hmm. we've seen that from the proposals, these bills that are coming through that, um, they're, you know, they're trying to get passed for school choice in various states, even in red states, they all come with strings. And Mm -hmm. not only are they strings, they're really the eroding away of the homeschool liberties in, in states that, you know, haven't had overreach of this Mm -hmm. sort. And so, um, the problem is parent, they, it's like a carrot. It's like a dangling carrot and the parents Mm -hmm. see this money that they can get. And they think, Oh, we're going to get this money and we're going to be able to buy curriculum and we're going to be able to, you know, participate in this or that, but Mm -hmm. they're missing the big picture because, you know, if you read voucher legislation, uh, more often than not, it includes approved materials, which means yep. they're going to tell you what you can teach mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then they're going to tell you how that they can teach it. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest the biggest problem mm-hmm. is when when the government gives you money, they want accountability for that yeah. money, which mm-hmm. is kind of ironic because we know there's not a whole lot of of accountability anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> when they so, spend our money, we can't right, hold them accountable, right. but but they want it from you as a homeschool yep. parent yeah. or a private school parent, or even a, even a public school parent, uh, pu- school choice isn't a win-win situation, even for students that are in public schools. And so it really launched me into research mode to look at all of this and sit down to see what school choice really meant we already have school choice homeschooling is legal in all 50 states Mm -hmm. Uh, you know parents can choose to homeschool parents can choose private school or parents can choose public school and now they have options of virtual online academies so they're still public schools but you know they can come home and be a public school student in their own home Mm -hmm. um, you know since covid started and, and those programs have continued on. So we already have school choice. What, yeah. what school choice really is, is it's government funded education. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. I, shrinks. right. Well, and I think, you know, what people don't realize is like you said, anytime the government funds something, it runs it. Yeah. So yeah. even if let's just do an example, you know, if on my property tax bill, $1,000 of my property tax bill goes to fund the local school, even if the school choice model only gave me back $1,000, 
they would still regulate it because it's had been in their hands previously. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. But most of these school, all of the school choice bills don't do that. Um, They give you more than you Mm -hmm. pay in, which Mm -hmm. means they're giving you other people's money. So it is a form of theft from other people. Mm -hmm. Right. And of course, the government's giving it to you. So they have a right. I think they actually have a right to regulate that if you're taking other people's money. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that. Right. 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 But that's why right. we should oppose it. We shouldn't want the regulation and we right. should realize we're, we're actually taking other people's money. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, and the bills that are coming here in Tennessee, where I live, they have not released their plans for um, their school choice bill that's up mm-hmm. and coming. So we haven't even had an opportunity to read the wording, but I have read the wording in some of the other states like Oklahoma and Alabama. And it's scary. It's scary. uh, When looking at that, it's scary to see that homeschooling is under attack. And Mm -hmm. in Alabama specifically right now, they went straight for the jugular. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's, it's, we're going, we're going to go backwards. Um, when it comes to, you know, homeschooling rights in a lot of these states, I'm afraid. And recently I mentioned earlier that we have had a lot of people move into our area of middle Tennessee from other Mm -hmm. states, Mm -hmm. Um, Minnesota, California, Alaska, um, middle Tennessee is just exploded uh, within the last five years or so. And a lot of them homeschool and they've joined the homeschool group that I founded Mm -hmm. and they shared their experiences, their Mm -hmm. negative experiences about school choice. And Mm -hmm. so we've used that to, uh, and they're, because they don't want school choice. They saw what it meant where Mm -hmm. they came from. And so they don't want Mm -hmm. it here in Tennessee, because that's one of the reasons why they moved here was to escape all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so we have tried to speak to our politicians and say, are we going to listen to the people (laughs) who've already been there and done that? Are we going to listen to them and their experiences? Because they've all said the same thing that we've just discussed here. It started out at first in some of these states where, um, you know, you didn't have to take the money or, Mm. you know, there, there wasn't really that much overreach. And then each year there was more. Mm -hmm. And there was more because, as we all know, it's a Trojan horse and wording is easily amended. So when you let them in the back door, they're going to come and sit down and then they're going to have a seat at your table. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the overreach and the micromanaging, you know, all of that will start. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a a lot of the bills, Oklahoma in particular, it's SB 1647 is the bill that I'm specifically talking about it's called the Oklahoma Empowerment Act Mm. and you know when I was looking at it it they're they're saying that you have an option you don't have to take the money but Mm. I think I've, I've spoken about this to with a lot of other people there are homeschoolers particularly new homeschoolers who haven't been around as mm-hmm. long as us dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> you're a dinosaur Tina. Oh, stop. <laughs> so you know they see this money that's being waved out there and they think oh this would be great this would yeah. help so much and mm-hmm. so you know those of us who saw what all the pioneer homeschool families fought so hard mm-hmm. um 
to be able to have all of these freedoms, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we're just saying we don't want any of this money. We don't want yeah. this money. We've been doing just fine all of these years. We don't want your overreach. We don't want your strings. We mm-hmm. just want to be left alone. Um, but it's concerning, you know, I, I find it, that's one reason why I'm so vocal about school choice is trying to educate the general yeah. public about what this really means. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now we have lots of examples, even from red states mm-hmm. uh, of how school choice is going to be potentially very damaging to homeschoolers if it's mm-hmm. passed and goes through and private schools as well. Right. Because it affects academic freedom for them as well. Right. I mean, you mentioned exactly. Alabama, like a lot of times these bills are, are pretty stealth, right? Like you said, yes. oh, you know, yes. it's, it's not going to really affect you. Nobody has to do it. But that Alabama bill. Um, oh, yeah. Point blank says they're going to add regulation to homeschoolers just like Absolutely. That. In the form of testing and a registry and a list mm. of curriculum. I mean, mm. that he I mean, they specifically outlined it. And you're exactly right. They use the, the verbiage homeschoolers um, and students that weren't in. I think they said something like traditional public schools or, you know, mm. something along those lines. But they they specifically called out homeschooling. Yeah. In the bill. And so, you know, it's important that families in state homeschooling families in these states, they need to be watching the legislation very, very carefully. And they need to be going through these bills with a fine tooth comb. Mm-hmm. In every state, I think yes, no one can every assume state. That, yes. that their safest state is safe, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, I, and I, that's, that's just, I'm sorry, that that's the thing, right? Is yeah. It, Nobody really wants to do the work. And I get it. I remember when we, when we started homeschooling, I knew I should be reading these things that I wasn't that knowledgeable about, but it scared me. I didn't know enough about the law, all these things. I counted on other people Mm -hmm. to take care of it and then just let me know (laughs) what I should do. And I feel like that, that is the problem, right? Right. I mean, everybody, what, what do we tell parents? What do we say today? I mean, this is no joke. You know, right. th- it's time. I mean, it's yes. time to educate ourselves. Right. Yes. Because we've been yes. duped. So, you know. Yeah. And it's like I said, the devil is always in the details. So if you don't read through everything and, mm-hmm. and um, I know that we have a group of moms in our local homeschool group. And as soon as they drop uh, the wording for Tennessee, mm-hmm. we have plans to all meet and sit down together and comb through come through it with a fine tooth wow, comb. That's awesome. You know, yeah. just to, just to make sure, you know, that we're not missing anything right. um, with this because we've already seen things happen in Tennessee um, mm. late at night <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that have mysteriously appeared on our Tennessee state website in regards to parental rights. Uh. And, um, you know, we were alerted to it and our, homeschool groups specifically managed to cause enough backlash for that particular program that it was put on a shelf. Mm. Oh, praise God for that. Yes. I mean, um, but it just goes to show when you're not looking how things can easily be. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And in these school choice bills, I just, um, in fact, well, I'm going to drop a name because I know you're familiar with him, Corey DeAngelis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, He is a school choice proponent who a lot of homeschoolers and conservatives think is just the cat's meow. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was just saying in response to uh, the Alabama bill that you and I were talking about earlier today, nobody has to take the money. It's fine. So if they don't want to take the money, they won't be regulated. And I guess my response to that is, 
And when's the last time any of us, no matter what your political stripe, thought you could actually trust a politician? Right. Absolutely. And (laughs) and like I said, and we already know in states where this has been implemented, that the wording has been changed. Once school choice came in, then the wording was easily amended. And then, you know, a little bit more regulation and a little bit more regulation continually, you know, was added on, which we also know that DeAngelis, um, if I'm not mistaken, is a paid lobbyist as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and he's pretty much built his platform around um, being a very loud proponent for school choice. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of us that actually have children and are actually homeschooling, we are the ones that it's going to personally affect. Right. And so, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't get paid for any of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, you know um, I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not a politician. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not selling anything. I'm just sharing information that, you know, I have sat down and looked up and and I'm doing it to help you protect your freedoms. Mm -hmm. So when someone that's getting paid (laughs) starts giving you, you know, information about why this is supposed to be a good thing, you might want to look at who's paying that person. That's right. (laughs) Um, And and you might want to follow the money. You know, I always tell parents, follow the money, follow Mm -hmm. the money. Follow the money, you can see. Um, I was just recently told um, by someone that I, I met on um, Facebook that's that's very active in fighting for homeschool liberties that um, excellence in education and ed choice organization are some of the foremost um, mm-hmm. organizations that are pushing for ESA, ESAs. Mm-hmm. And um, they have similarities to the UN. And it's school Mm -hmm. choice agenda, which is exactly what Charlotte um, Isabray, who was the head of policy at the Department of Education under Ronald Reagan, warned about. She warned about this. And you can look up um, and, and, you know, she warned for decades ago. She was warning people about the nefarious roots of Mm. school choice Mm -hmm. and and why we should stay away from this and why, you know, why it wasn't a good thing. And Mm -hmm. so I think now it it's. Everything that she's saying is definitely, I mean, you can, everyone can research it themselves Mm -hmm. and see why we should stay away from this, why we don't want it, you know, coming in. But uh, one thing that I hear in our state a lot and the different community groups and um, a lot of the different advocacy groups, especially groups that are supposed to be, their job is supposed to be reforming the school system. Okay, Mm -hmm. so their whole platform is they're working to make the school system better to reform it. Well, first off, I don't believe that it can be reformed because I don't believe it's broken. That's right. You know, working at the prime. (laughs) Right. I believe that it's done an excellent job of doing exactly what it was intended to do. Yep. So, um, you know, I don't believe that it can be reformed. And so when you start. It, when you're in these chat rooms or in these groups and you're talking to the general public, as we said earlier, I hear over and over, well, you've only given examples of of school choice that was really bad in states that weren't red. Mm. But in states that are red, it works great. And so I thought, OK, well, we need to look at that a little bit. And what did you find? <laughs> well, <laughs> I found out that Florida, because Miami-Dade was one of the ones that, you know, they wanted to hold up kind of as a gold standard, that Mm. um, Florida is second in the nation in charter school closures. Mm. And the first one's California. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so what I did find over and over again was that there were uh, there was quite a a good deal of fraud <laughs> that mm-hmm. was involved, you know, in a lot of these charter schools, um, Epic charter schools were, were sued for $8.9 million, I think. And, and they've been the subject of criminal investigations and allegations mm-hmm. of embezzlement and, um, you know, obtaining money under false pretenses and racketeering. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think there was even a, um, an educator, he was a New Jersey educator and he was banned from teaching in the public schools there. And then five months later, he comes to South Florida <laughs> and then, and then uh, you know, he, he's opening up charter schools, you know, oh and, my goodness. and it gets like $500,000 in taxpayer money that the, the mm. Sun Sentinel, you know, did a piece about this, yeah. but uh, we know that charter schools face less regulation. So, um, you know, that's part of the problem is, you know, someone's making money off of school choice. And, you know, I I tell people, follow the money. And Mm -hmm. if you you start researching all of that, you see that um, it there's an organization called Step Up for Parents. And I tell people to check into that, too, because what happens is there's corporate donations going into a charity that then Mm. passes money on to students looking for grants to Mm. attend these charter schools. And then the charity will skim 3% of that diverted tax money off the top Mm. and and then for administrative fees, Mm. you know, so big business is making money, you know, off Mm -hmm. of this. And so, um, you know, I'm sure I sent you some links to, you know, some of the research that I had found in regards to a lot of this. But Mm -hmm. one thing that I did find was uh, that I thought was very interesting. And it was some research that was done. And it said that overall vouchers have no effect and charters have little to no effect and sometimes very negative effects, including Mm. increased racial and socioeconomic segregation. Mm. Mm. Um, And so, you know, using a red state as the gold standard of how school choice can be positive. That's really not a good idea. Number one, <laughs> number one, there's no guarantee that any state is going to stay red or right. for that right. matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, depending on who is controlling the state politically, that's going to change a lot of how these programs look in right. general anyway, whether you're red or you're blue. Um, and, you know, I'll just say right off the top, I don't care if you are a Republican or you are a Democrat, school choice is good for neither. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> it's just That's not right. good, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that this isn't a new new argument. This isn't um a new school choice is not new. It's been around for decades and it still hasn't solved the problems anywhere. Right. Um, you know, education is still a, still has all the same problems and then some, you know, that it did before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you start having even less regulation when all this money is swirling around, you know, that's only going to lead to a breeding ground for mm-hmm. even more fraud. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was interesting because, you know, there are other states right now in lawsuits uh, because of problems that we just discussed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a quick search on the internet can pull up all the information that, you know, I shared mm-hmm. just then and even more about right. how it's it's not 
it's not the answer. It's not the answer to education. I know what the answer is for parents that want control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what they can do to have control. But you know, one one of the well, the only reason why I'm so vocal right now about school choice, particularly, is we're on the cusp of elections, and yeah. we know that this is the a lot of politicians are running on this platform because they know it's a good way for them to get elected. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the majority of conservatives and they're the ones typically that are going to the school board meetings, you know, that are upset about what's going on in the schools that are upset about curriculum. The majority of those parents send their kids to public schools. Mm -hmm. So they have, you know, pitched this idea of school choice to them and the parents think I'll take this government money and then I can put my child wherever I want them and it's going to fix the problem. Right. What they, but what they need to realize is the money that they're getting, they're still using in the same government system that they think is failing. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, and, or so, they're inviting the government in, into their homes and private right, schools. Yeah, right. right. And then if they're right. And then if they're homeschooling or they have private school kids, they're just going to let them in, you know, and yeah. then they're going to have to deal with the consequences of taking money from the government and the strings that come attached. So you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What can people do to help keep all this stuff at bay where they live? I think the the important one of the most important things they can do is exactly what we just talked about. And that's to educate, educate themselves and educate anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> if they'll listen and even if they don't listen, educate them anyway. <laughs> exactly. Keep you on know, educating. That's right. You share, you know, what you've learned. Um, you know, from your research that you've done, write your legislators, you know, write your start on the local level and move all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, share as much research as you can and just try to get the word out there because I do know from the articles that I have written and that have been shared and then even just speaking to people, um, a lot of them don't know. They just don't know. Yeah. And then, you know, once you start giving them this information, some of them are just, they're shocked, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then they are like, well, I don't want this, you know? So that's the way, you know, that we can reach, you know, some, some of the ones that are really concerned about freedoms and and liberties, if you are, and I, and I say this all the time, it always is so shocking to me. Um, even Corey DeAngelis and some of the others, you know, they say they don't want government intrusion. They say they're not for large government. This is the epitome of that. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. This is the epitome of government overreach, because as you just said, they're now going to be coming into homeschools and private schools. I mean, we, we expect this in the public school system, right? I mean, that's what the public school system is. It's a government funded school. So the government is going to control what goes on in those schools. But Mm -hmm. when you start crossing over into um, private schools and homeschools, that's a whole different animal. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And we have the links. How can people learn more about this, Tiffany? You for uh, the people in the back. I know that we have some links that we're going to do, but let's just say it again. How, I mean, you gave us a really good overview of the issue, mm-hmm. but how can people learn more about it? 
I would definitely research as much about school choices as um, you can. I would also do some research um, in regards to Charlotte Isabray and the things that, you know, she was warning people about generations ago about school choice. Um, I share tons of information over on For Your Children about mm-hmm. school choice mm-hmm. and all kinds of other things too pertaining to education. And then, um, you know, Tina has her um, wonderful ministry with the homeschool resource roadmap and all the things she does with the homeschool loft and, and listen to as many podcasts as you can about, (laughs) (laughs) as you can about school choice, because I'm certainly not the only one um, that is speaking out uh, as much as they can about, you know, why we don't want school choice. So there's actually a lot of people, um, a lot of, homeschool, you know, people within the homeschool community who are trying to warn um, like-minded individuals about why we don't want this, you know, coming Mm -hmm. into our community, particularly. Yeah. 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 I think too, that if you're a newer homeschooler, humble yourself enough to listen to the veterans. Yes. Right. And and I don't even mean Jenny and I and Tiffany, but the people who were pioneers in the 80s and 90s and helped Mm -hmm. to get our state laws passed. Yes. And worked like the Dickens to make sure that any overregulation was gotten away with. And we've most of the states have had stable homeschool laws since the early 1990s. And that that wasn't by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And but those people had to fight and fight and fight and fight. And so when they and when some of us who maybe got to sit at their um, knee at the beginning of our homeschool journey, we learn from them. We're not just saying watch out because we don't want things to change. Right. There's real danger there. And if you're new, you have to be willing to humble yourself and listen. Yes, absolutely. I just spent some time last night reading the history of how homeschooling got to where it is today and Mm. and all of the struggles that those pioneer homeschool families went through, you know, from being put in jail Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, you know michael ferris coming to tennessee and Mm -hmm. you know going to bat um you know for those homeschool families so that Mm -hmm. we could enjoy the freedoms that we benefit from today and i think that you know we're so far removed from that because Mm -hmm. we've been so free for so long that we think it's always going to be that way but you know what they say about freedom we're only one generation away from losing it you know we have to make sure that we stay uh, abreast of everything that's coming down the pike and do what we need to do to make sure we don't go backward. You know, um, because like you said, those homeschool, those pioneer homeschool families sacrificed much Mm -hmm. so that we could benefit today. Um, And, you know, we don't want to lose that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. This has been. Thank you. Just absolutely so informative and what a work that God has placed on your heart. And I know listeners that some of this stuff is hard to hear. And I know that um, you've been duped. I've been duped. We've all been duped. But the reality is that um, they're your children. They belong to you. You have everything that you need through Jesus Christ to be the best model of learning for your children because he called you to it. And so he will see you through it. 